Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host. I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you true information as to what happens when you leave your human life and your soul enters the afterlife. I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. Last week, we discussed the importance of charity in having a successful judgment when you pass from your human life and enter the ethereal or the realms of heaven. We interviewed the spirits of Milton Hershey, Andrew Carnegie, and Paul Newman, three of the most successful philanthropists to walk the earth. If you missed the show, it is available on Voice America Variety Network Archives. All of our shows are available on our YouTube channel in the name of Barry Strom. We now have over 450 shows available on that channel. Our goal in this show is to explore all the aspects of the afterlife. If you've been listening to our show, you have learned that how you live your human life determines how you will progress in the ethereal dimension. The soul has everlasting life and advances because of lessons learned during various incarnate lives. Today, we're going to investigate several historical events in which there are multiple conspiracy theories. We'll begin with the Roswell incident in 1947, where debris was found that our government identified as the remains of a weather balloon. We will then channel the astronaut Neil Armstrong and discuss the moon landing. Lastly, time allowing, we will discuss the governments of the world's abilities to manipulate the weather with our spirit guide, Laura. Now, we're going to cover some questionable material this morning, so I believe that our show is a good time to reiterate our disclaimer. So the opinions or statements voiced on this show are the channeled words of the spirits and do not reflect the opinions of the hosts, Connie and I, Voice America Networks, or our sponsors. So for those of you that don't remember the Roswell incident, in 1947, the United States Air Force reported that metallic and rubber debris from a military balloon was discovered by military personnel from Roswell Army Airfield. Newspapers reported that a flying saucer was captured on a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. The debris was discovered by the ranch owner, a gentleman by the name Mac Brazil, and he reported the, the debris to the Army. At the time, Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel was assigned the mission of explaining the debris was from a weather balloon. In 1970, the colonel stated in an interview that he thought the debris was actually extraterrestrial, and that ignited many of the conspiracy ideas concerning the event. So anyway, let's begin by challenging with the owner of the ranch, Mr. Brazell. Mr. Brazell, thank you for joining us. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, would you please describe what you discovered on your ranch? Well, my son and I, we were, we were checking the fences, and all of a sudden, we saw all of this debris and couldn't figure out what it was. Looked like aluminum, 
looked like some stuff that we'd never seen before. We kind of gathered a little bit of it. Uh, actually, my son took a little small piece. And we talked about it and thought, well, maybe this is probably pretty important. So we took it uh, and we gave a call to the Army over at Roswell. Did you have any idea what it was that you discovered? No. I thought it, I thought it might be just some of the government stuff. We have, there was a lot of testing going on. Keep in mind that they were putting off nuclear bombs and their balloons in the sky and all kinds of crazy things happening. World War II had just finished. But no, didn't really give it much thought at the time. Were there any bodies in the wreckage? There were some things that we didn't weren't sure what they were. Uh, we didn't get too close to them. They looked a lot like they were burned images or burned bodies of animals. Didn't know what it was, so we just thought we'd turn it over to the Army. And what did the Army officers tell you? Well, we certainly got their attention. They came out, a couple of them, looked at what was on the ground, got on their radios, and all of a sudden, a couple hours later, here come all these Jeeps and trucks. The officers told us that what we were looking at was top secret. And they told us that we weren't supposed to talk about it. Well, one of the newspaper folks had already gotten wind of it. They put an article in the local paper that it was direct from a flying saucer. A couple days, a couple weeks earlier, newspapers have been carrying stories about flying saucers. So I just kind of thought at first that the officers were a little bit touchy. But when I saw all the other ones coming, I realized that there was, maybe, there was something more to this than what I thought. How large was that Army contingent that they sent to your ranch, and what did they do? Must have been about 20 of them. A lot of them had suits on, like it was radioactive. I did learn later that there was a bit of radioactivity to it. A couple of them loaded up the, what looked like dead animals. I didn't certainly look real close at them, didn't want to, but they loaded them into one of the, one of the ambulances that they had sent along. But didn't take long, they had the whole place cleaned up. Did you fear for your own security? They got really nasty with me. When they found out that there was an article in the newspaper, they figured that I was the one that had to, had to spill the beans for it. They were, they were very emphatic. Matter of fact, they threatened to put me in jail if I opened my mouth. My son, he was kind of scared at this point. Didn't know whether he should mention that he had a little piece of what he thought was aluminum or not. 
but he or we we just tried to do what what they told us to do we knew there wasn't any way we were going to argue with the army did you end up spending any time in jail actually they did keep me overnight they brought me in and they questioned me all about the stuff they wanted to know what I thought, if I told anybody about it. I wouldn't call it much of a jail, but they did put keep me in in their building over at the uh, air base. They were really emphatic. They were, I realized right away they weren't playing around. Okay, thank you so much for filling us in on that part of the story. Uh, now let's channel with the spirit of Colonel Marcel, the Army representative responsible for handling the story for the Army. Uh, thank you for joining us, Colonel Marcel. What was your role in the investigation of the debris? I was in charge of the group of soldiers that were dispatched to check out the debris. I had some experience in the area. I was a pilot, had fought, had the responsibilities of the war during the war. I had been assigned to Roswell. And when the call came in, two of us got in the Jeep, figured we'd ride over, didn't imagine at all what we were going to see. Once the Army started to understand what was taking place, they brought in a general, and he took over. So really, I wasn't, my responsibilities kind of ended there, but they did make me attend a news conference. And I did have access to see what was taking place with all the debris. Would you please describe the debris for us? Well, the debris that the people saw in the newspaper article was definitely from a balloon. There was no question about that. However, we had already taken the debris from the accident to the military base, and it was being examined as I was speaking. I told the general that it was going to be very difficult. But he said, orders are orders, and you need to follow them. So while he was speaking, I would hold up certain pieces of the debris. And yes, there's no doubt about it. The debris I was holding up was part of, of, of a weather balloon that had been used during some of our atomic testing that was taking place at the time. Were there any bodies? Yes. There were several bodies there. Would you describe them for us, please? They were very difficult to describe. I had never seen anything like it. There were, they had large heads, they had been damaged in the crash. I think that 
the energies of the crash were different than what we experience when we have crashes. They, they were all dead. They stood about five foot tall. The coroner did look at them. He was forbidden to distribute any photographs or even to discuss what he had seen. They were, they were definitely not human in origin. They, they were not wearing any type of uniform. It was something that I had never seen before. So were all the bodies dead or were some still alive when the army arrived? No, they were all passed. We didn't know what we were looking at, but there was no signs of life from any of them. Where were the bodies taken? Initially, they were taken to the airfield at Roswell. Then they were taken to another location. It was, there were a lot of secret locations in those days in the Arizona, New Mexico deserts because of the beginnings of the Cold War. Once that the bodies were removed, I never saw them again. Did the Army know exactly what they were seeing? I'm not sure. I know that we had heard rumors that the Army was working with aliens. We had heard rumors that they were working with them in the tests, the atomic tests that were taking place. We had heard rumors that aliens had been participating in giving us information to advance our abilities to make the atomic bomb and atomic weapons. I'm quite sure that they knew. They reacted so rapidly to the news of what, I, what, what, what we were looking at and the fact that they would dispatch such a high-ranking officer to take care of what at initially was such a small and unimportant situation. Yes, as I think about it, I'm quite confident the Army knew exactly what was taking place. I believe you're correct. So at the news conference, that balloon material that you presented was all fake, right? If you're talking about if it was accident material, yes, it absolutely was fake. But it was indeed material from a from a weather balloon. The Army made sure that the story that they were presenting would have material to back it up. Did you fear for your own safety, Colonel? Actually, I did. I wanted to be able to retire from the Army with a pension. I didn't want to spend it in the brig. I did exactly what I was told. The general said, I'll handle this. Just basically sit there and do what I tell you. 
And that was I, what I attempted to do. Why did the army work so hard at keeping this all a secret? Keep in mind, it was the beginning of the Cold War. Nobody knew whether the aliens were with the Russians or with, or with us, or even if they existed. People were very nervous. The government, as I learned later, had had agreements with the alien community. And they were afraid that if alien disclosure came at this point, that they would break that agreement. Why are they still working so hard at maintaining the lie? Because the agreement is still in effect. The government receives great aid from the aliens. It is a secret what they get, the information, how they work together, where they work together. With social media, it's becoming more apparent that aliens do truly exist. The government is being forced to come up with some of their secret documents. There will be a time in the very near future where I'm sure that the alien community will want humans to admit their existence. After all, once I got over here, I found out a lot of information about them. And aliens have been on Earth for a long, long time. They were on the Earth long before humans were there. There's so much that, that humans will learn. And the government wants them to learn it at their pace. Well, I guess that's the best I could say about this. You know, it is time for people to know that the aliens are not here to do bad. They're here to help us. Thank you so much, Colonel. We really appreciate this. Okay, let's take a small break. When we come back, we're going to have Neil Armstrong with us. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, 
Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we were just speaking about the Roswell incident, and now we're going to talk about the moon landing. In 1969, American astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to land on the moon as the world watched live on television. And I know Connie and I were in that group. We watched it and were amazed. However, it's thought that possibly parts or all of the, of the lunar landing was faked. Tonight, we're going to speak with the spirit of Neil Armstrong. And we're going to ask him some questions about the landing and possible interactions with aliens. So, Mr. Armstrong, thank you for coming back with us. Yes, welcome, Neil. Uh, would you like to start with a message for our listeners? Yes, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to come back. I know I've I've spoken with Barry and Connie several times, and I've tried to do my best to make people understand the true importance of space travel. Sometime far in the future, nobody knows when, the sun's going to become incapable of producing life on Earth. For humans to exist far into the future, and I'm not talking about next week or next year, they're going to have to learn to travel the stars. That is why space exploration is extremely critical, and it's something that everyone should promote, should help fund, and do what they need to do to make it successful. So I just thought I'd give that little blurb before we started. So thank you once again for allowing me to speak. Thank you for joining us, because you've got some great information that we won't know otherwise. What did you think when the Russians launched the first satellite, Sputnik, <laughs> in 1957? We were shocked. We thought that we were further ahead of them in the space program. It was the Great Awakening. When they put that first little satellite up there, we realized that we really needed to get busy. We knew that it was very, very important. The president was very supportive, and all of a sudden funds become, became available that we needed. In those days, the space program was incredibly dangerous. Why did you want to become an ast astronaut? It was the great frontier. We were all pilots. We were used to taking our lives in our own hands. We knew the dangers. We knew the risks. But we also knew the importance. It was the Cold War was cranking up this was in full bore. We knew we could not let Russia beat us into space. We knew we they they we knew that, but they did. 
we took it very, very seriously, and we made up our minds that they were not going to beat us to the moon. So the astronauts were the best of the best. To be accepted as an astronaut was a huge feat in those days. I knew it was incredibly dangerous. I knew there was a good chance that I might not return from one of the missions. But I was also a, a very great patriot. I believed in the United States. I believed that we were the bastions of freedom. And I knew the importance of beating Russia. Apollo 8 was the first mission to orbit the moon. They did it 10 times. Did they have any interaction with extraterrestrials? They did see extraterrestrials. They did not see individuals because they were they were they were very high and they were moving very rapidly and it was as you say the dark side of the moon. But they did see large spaceships and vehicles. There was no interaction with the extraterrestrials. So we assumed that it would be safe for us to return with an extended and landing mission. As the Apollo 11 mission progressed, did you think that you would return to Earth safely? There were definitely times that we had our doubts. It was a very, very dangerous mission. Keep in mind, the computers were very basic. We actually had to do many things on our own. We had to, we had some small problems where we had damaged some equipment. We actually had to fix it ourselves up there. There was no, no maintenance. You were, we were totally on our own. It was, it was actually a miracle that we were able to accomplish it with the technology that we had available. What would you say was the most dangerous part of the mission? The landing was very, very dangerous. We were a little bit out of position. Our timings were a little different. Once we landed safely on the moon, we thought we had it made. However, when we were getting ready to depart, we accidentally broke a piece of equipment, and we had to jury-rig it and fix it. There were no standbys. If we screwed anything up, we were going to pay for it dearly. The whole mission was dangerous. There's no doubt about that. But as I say, the landing and when we went back into the ship and had that problem, those were very dangerous times. There were some coordination problems trying to get us back to Earth. But God was with us. And when you got God for a co-pilot, things work well. True words were never spoken. So there are theories out there that you didn't really land on the moon, but you and Buzz really were on the moon, correct? Yes. We absolutely landed on the moon. Those are our footprints up there. We put the flag up. I know there's people that think that there was movement of the flag, but that was actually we didn't get the wire quite right. And when the wires moved, it looked like there was there was wind or that possibly it the picture wasn't taken on the moon. But I can absolutely 100% assure you that Buzz and I walked on the moon. 
So were there any parts of the moon landing that were faked or not true? There were places that we dubbed information. Keep in mind that we were competing with the Russians. We did not want them to know what our strengths and weaknesses were. So there were parts of the communications that were dubbed. There were some things that that were possibly were added. But the basic idea that we were on the moon is 100%. So the Soviets, what really inspired you all to do everything that you did? <laughs> you wanted to win the race. It was, it was a big part of it. But we also understood the importance of humans advancing in their knowledge of space. We were basically at war in competition with the Soviets. They had intercontinental ballistic missiles. We needed to understand space. We needed to understand what would happen if war actually took place outside of our atmosphere. The Think of it more as a race to knowledge. Knowledge is going to be vital for human existence. Today, you have gained so much knowledge in space. But I would tell you that even though you have gained so much knowledge, you have no idea how much you do not know. There is so much going on. There are different dimensions that you have not been able to explore. But you have taken incredible strides. The Soviets pushed us. We may not have done it nearly as rapidly if we had not been in a race with the Soviet Union. So it's actually a good thing. Uh, did you see any aliens on the moon? When we orbited the moon, we actually did see alien ships. They were... They were huge in size. They were shaped more like large disks. We did not see individuals. We were not equipped to make contact, and no contact was ever made with them up there. But I can assure you that the concept of aliens is a real one. What was meant by the statement, Santa Claus is real, spoken by Collins when he was circling the moon? We did not want the general public to realize totally what we were anticipating seeing. So we set up the code name Santa Claus for aliens. And we used that to confirm that we had made visual contact with their ships. Why was their presence kept a secret? There is an agreement between the alien community and governing system and humans. We allow 
certain things to take place for the aliens, but the governments have agreed not to come clean with the true disclosure of the presence. Aliens have been assisting our government for many, many years. They are part of the reason we have many of the technologies that we have. I think, I think really, our governments just simply do want to take credit for everything that we've learned and not give the aliens the credit that they deserve. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> you may be correct. Is the moon hollow? There is a large hole in the backside. We ran a test where we crashed a vehicle into the moon, and it actually vibrated like it was hollow. There are many things about the moon that are not disclosed. The backside of the moon is much rougher than the side that we observe. It's taken a lot of hits through the, through the ages from other meteorites and such. But the internal composition is in place as hollow. The aliens do use a large entrance on the backside for their vehicles. And there have been times that they have set up communities inside the moon for protection. It's very dangerous being on the surface of the backside before meteorite strikes. So they have used the hollow portions for protection. Is there any more that you'd like to tell us about the extraterrestrials? Well, the most important fact about extraterrestrials is how real they are. They are, there are many, many planets that support life throughout the galaxy. There are alien civilizations that are incredibly advanced. We cannot imagine what advancements they have learned through the ages. They are, they have intelligence abilities far beyond our comprehensions. Many of those cultures have the ability to move between different dimensions. And by moving between different dimensions, they have managed to travel great distances in short periods of time. When do you think there will finally be a disclosure? I believe that there will be full disclosure within the next five years. What do you see as the timeline for future interactions with extraterrestrials? We have been interacting with extraterrestrials for centuries. Hmm. I believe that those interactions will become public knowledge in the very near future. What do you see as the future of China in space? I see China as the great competition in space. The current communist re regime wants to rule the world. 
and be the most powerful nation. I think it behooves us to make sure that we lead all countries in the exploration of space. I think that China will probably implode in the future because I don't believe that a communist party can truly exist long-term, but they are a great current risk. Oh, I hope you're right on that one. What's your opinion of Elon Musk and his role in space? Elon is an amazing individual. He has accomplished much. He is truly trying to make inroads into space exploration. Now he does intend to make a profit at it, but he is accomplishing things far more rapidly than I believe that our government was ever capable of accomplishing. So do you think privately funded space exploration is more effective than government funded exploration? I believe that the profit motive can be much more effective and efficient than government funding. Governments tend to overspend. They tend to have, shall we say, favorable companies involved. Many people in government, your representatives, are interested simply in power and strength and wealth, and they use these government companies to make money. I believe that properly directed private funding is the way to go. I believe you are correct. Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Do you have a final message for our listeners? Yes, thank you for allowing me to speak. You see, there really not, it was nothing nefarious about the landing on the moon. We did what we were sent to do. There were portions of it that we thought we needed to keep secret from the Russians. But there is no doubt that Buzz and I walked on the moon. To think otherwise is, is making a very huge error. We did what we were sent to do. We believed that the United States was the finest country in the world, most advanced, and we proved it. So thank you for allowing me to come through. I'm always available if you would like some more information. Thank you. We just might do that. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to that segment. Stick with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the weather. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Is death the end of the journey of the soul? 
or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone, and thanks for sticking with us. We are going to talk about the weather. And not in the usual manner of speaking about it. Do you all believe the weather can be manipulated? Well, the U.S. government's been experimenting for years with what's referred to as HAARP, or HARP. It stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. That's a tongue twister in its own. Originally, it was a bunch of antennas located in Alaska. The instrument was designed to beam huge amounts of energy into the ionosphere. And it's believed that these charges of energy could alter weather programs. The government has built additional facilities, and there's been some very strange things taking place. Now, we're going to speak to our guide, Laura, for the information on this one, because I'm not sure just who we could have, what spirit we could have talked to, because it's still taking place. So anyway, Connie, you got some questions for Laura. Yes, thank you, Laura, for helping us out with this. Laura, is it possible for HARP to alter weather patterns? Absolutely. The upper atmosphere, ionosphere, is a very delicate place. The air is very thin, and because of the nature of the upper atmosphere, it is very susceptible to large charges of energy. Keep in mind the ionosphere helps protect the Earth. When you see the aurora borealis, for instance, you're seeing energies strike the ionosphere. It is a very delicate place and if certain things change, take place in your upper atmosphere, it will definitely affect the weather. How many HARP locations are located around the world? Actually, there are quite a few. There are basically three controlled by the United States at this time, but there are probably 10 to a dozen other ones located in other countries throughout the world. Can this type of technology be used for missile defense? 
It is possible that by supercharging the ionosphere with certain types of energies, that it can affect missile reentry. Guidance systems for missiles can be very delicate, and it is thought, and there are exper experiments taking place, that high energy, high energies introduced to the upper atmosphere can have an effect on both the tracking and the effectiveness of ballistic missiles. Can this type of technology alter human brain waves? It is also quite possible that it can be used in brainwave technologies. You see, this research is actually very young, and there are various different opinions and ideas. Keep in mind the concept was really initiated by Nikola Tesla. If you read some of his works, you will see that some of the ideas that are incorporated in these technologies were actually his ideas. Are there any other technologies for altering the weather? Yes. You've heard of seeding clouds. There are other types of energies that are introduced at lower elevations. There are actually many, many ways for altering the weather. Has our government altered weather patterns? Absolutely. Many other governments have done it as well. The, our government today has many, many capabilities. Artificial intelligence will help stimulate those abilities, but there are many, many top secrets in the government today. No kidding. Uh, can you give us an example of government manipulation that went terribly wrong? There have been major storms that have been stimulated through various government activities. Possibly the greatest example of this could be Hurricane Sandy. It was not supposed to come as close to shore and do the damage that it did. Is it possible that instruments such as this can create global warming? There are many, many things that can create global warming. Carbon dioxide contents can play a large role. Pollution. There are many, many reasons. For instance, if there is a great volcanic eruption, that will hugely increase global warmings. Long-range long weather trends, energy emissions of the sun. There are many, many things that can create global warming. But such technologies can certainly contribute to it. Do other countries have such instruments? Yes, these are, this technology is not a unique technology for the United States. 
there are many, many countries that have this technology. Most do not use the technology on as large a scale, but China, Soviet Union, they have been doing deep research into using such technologies to create the weaponization of the weather. They are capable of doing many things with this technology, but there are also deterrents to what they are doing. Even though they are capable of weaponizations of, of weather, they do not want that weapon used against them as well. Has any country developed an instrument that can create earthquakes? Earthquakes are a very difficult technology. Earthquakes are basically created by movements in the tectonic plates, by natural developments, by internal stressing, stresses within the earth. Keep in mind that the core of the earth is extremely hot and that heat can create movements in the earth plates. There have been many, many experiments done to help create earthquakes. There have been minor earthquakes created, but to my knowledge, there has never been a major earthquake created by man. Is it possible for man to control earthquakes? It is possible, but incredibly difficult. How long have countries been manipulating the weather? The weather has been manipulated since the 1940s. There are many areas of the world that have not seen natural weather patterns for probably 50 years. So is global warming totally man-made or is it just a normal long-term weather patterns? There have been times that the earth has been incredibly warm. There have been times that there have been great volcanic activities in the earth. There have been times that there have been times that the earth has been has not been habitable because of warming patterns. The sun really controls the earth. God blessed Earth by creating very moderate weathers. It did many miracles had to come together in order for humans to exist on Earth. You had to have water. You had to have proper temperatures. You had to have many, many things for humans to 
establish a presence on Earth. Keep in mind that humans are very, very fragile. And it would not take much to totally disrupt their presence on Earth. Man has to be very, very careful in using the technologies of which we currently have discussed. Global warming is capable of wiping out life on the planet. Global warming has got to be addressed by humans. Pollution of the planet has got to stop. But all humans have to do is follow the guidance of God and do what he feels is required of them. So thank you for allowing me to talk about this subject. And should you need me, I am always here. We appreciate that. God bless you. Okay. Thank you so much. Two interesting subjects. Next week, we're going to devote our show to channeling spirits that will bring you the truth about military judgment in the afterlife. How you are judged for taking lives while in the military is a serious question for many that serve. Please tell your friends, especially those in the military, about our show next week. I guarantee you they will. Thank you for it. I currently have nine books on Amazon. My latest book, Messages of God for a Modern World, consists of 60 messages that we channeled on our Wednesday morning podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus. Makes a wonderful daily devotional. Available in softcover as an ebook in both English and Spanish. Signed copies are available on my website, barrystrom.com. And I would like to thank you all for joining us on the Voice America Variety Radio Network. Uh, if you'd like to see more of our channelings, as we said earlier, we have 450 videos on our YouTube channel in the name of Barry Stroom. Our videos cover every aspect of the afterlife. Connie and I are devoting ourselves to bringing you information so that when you do, are facing the end of your lives, you'll have no fear. Please tell your friends about our show and join us each Tuesday morning. We're here every week, 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America radio network. Please make sure you tell your friends in the military about next week. We get a lot of emails about concern, about taking lives in the military. So thank you and goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time.